one, and we're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. It's great to have you. I'm your host, Jonathan Kogan. What do you know? Are you having a bad day? Are you having a bad day? Because I'm going to turn that shit upside down, and we're going to make it into a great day. All right? Or great evening, wherever you're in the world. We don't discriminate. We accept all humans. We don't give a shit. We don't give a shit about what you believe, what you like, what you agree with us on, what you disagree with us on. We care about none of that. We care about, A, do you listen and support The Jonathan Kogan Show? Patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. Check one. Check two. Do you listen to the pod almost every day? Yes. Check. Third, are you a good Samaritan? Are you a good human being? Three. Check. Boom. Number four, are you ready to get lit? Yes, you are. All check the boxes. Let's go. We got several things to get into today, baby. Um, so uh, first thing first, Netanyahu, he's the prime minister of Israel. Of Israel. I don't know why I did that. Don't know. Has nothing to do with Hebrew. Nothing to do with anything. It was an unnecessary role. So I meant Israel. Netanyahu. And the one thing that Objectively, we can identify funny things, even if the situation is not funny, because that's what we do. When Ye was going bananas on Alex Jones, he did have a net, like a fishing net or some sort of net, and he had a bottle of Yahoo. Remember drinking Yahoo back in the day? And when he would talk about net and Yahoo, he would say, here's net and Yahoo with a net, and then the Yahoo, net and Yahoo. Now, that shit was funny, okay? Let's be real. That is funny. And if you never had Yahoo because A, you're too young, or B, you just never lived, then sucks. I have nothing else to say. But Netanyahu was just on Jordan Peterson's podcast, which is associated with the Daily Wire, which has nothing to do with anything. But I just wanted to say that because it's in the bottom right corner of the video. And he talks about, quote, how Israel, let me get the right quote, how Israel became, this is a quote, Israel became the lab for Pfizer. Israel Ministry of Health denied it. Pfizer denied it. There were fact checks on this, that they're not the lab for the for Pfizer. But literally days ago, Netanyahu was talking to Jordan Peterson like it was just another day, talking about how he begged for them to run experiments and make Israel the official lab for Pfizer because of their electronic health records, being able to tell what happens to people down the road since we have no long-term data on the stuff that happened. He literally just talks about it like it's butter. It's crazy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe this has not come off to you as wild. Maybe this comes off to you as totally normal. But if you don't remember, a year ago or so, Albert Bola, I wish I was a little bit taller, uh, was on NBC, and he said how Israel's the lab for Pfizer, and everyone freaked out. And then it was like, fact check, fact check, fact check. He never meant it like that. He meant it in a good way. You know, let me just play the clip where it stems from, because if you don't remember, this is where it came from. It's a very short clip. It was on NBC News with your boy, what's his name, Lester Holt, whatever this guy's name is. He's a little kook. But listen to this. This is what happened, and people went ballistic. What have you found out? A lot of things, and we are keep analyzing it. And I believe... Uh, um, Israel is, has become um, the world's lab right now because uh, they're using only our vaccine at this stage and they have vaccinated very big part of their population. So we can study both economic and health indexes. Uh, 
So that was it. That's a little short clip there. So he was saying how Israel's the lab because obviously we can't have long-term data on something that was created months prior, obviously. And he brings it up a few times. So that's fine. I have no problem with that, with consent, letting everybody know what's up and that you're an experiment. I have no problem with that, obviously. But people were outraged over that apparently, okay? And they're like, a lab for the world? What is that about? Oh my God, what's going on? That's terrible. You can't say that. Well, the guy in charge of it all, Netanyahu, I wish I had a net with a Yahoo. That, it's funny. Uh, Netanyahu was on Jordan Peterson, like I said, and says this clip. This is a clip. It's a two-minute clip. And tell me if this sounds, I think this comes off a lot worse than Netanyahu might think. I think this comes off as really bad. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this sounds bad. But again, correct me if I'm wrong. Here we go. Here's the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu. Because I don't want to bore you with the detailed, detailed plans, I, I, uh, but they are detailed in my mind. Um, we came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert Bourla, Pfizer, and I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh, the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records, a little card, and anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference, boom, you punch it in, and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, meningitis? What does it do to the lab for Pfizer, and that's how we did it. We got it out, and we gave the information to the world, not only and published in medical magazines and so on. Um, that's a database we have. I intend to bring on that base, database of medical, personal medical records for entire population, a genetic database, genomes, okay? Give me a saliva, a sample, volunteer. But I'm sure most people would do it. Maybe we'll pay them. Now we have a genetic record on a medical record of a robust population. It's got, you have to have diversified populations. We have people from 100 lands. This is a very powerful engine. Now, now let uh, pharma companies, let medical companies, let them run algorithms on this database, okay? I'm telling you right away that I'll give preference for a few years to Israeli firms, but you can create, and then to the world, but you can create uh, you know, a biotechnological industry that is un unheard of right now, unheard of, unimagined even. Uh, and, and these are just the examples. We can become a lot, stave off Iran, become a light onto the nations in uh, groundbreaking. Is that fucking bananas? I don't even know what else to say. What does that come off to you as? That comes off to you as, hey, big pharma, we want to give you all these people and you can run anything you want. You want to change. You want to change genetics. Come to Israel. You want to change the Jews. Come to Israel. What is that about? What is that about? That is crazy. Does that not sound insane? We could create a genetic revolution. Just use our people. You know what? Use the saliva. People want to give it. We'll pay you. We don't care. We are the testing grounds for pharma companies. That shit is bananas. I thought that that interview, that particular take, comes off 
as absolute unaware banana, banana, bananas. Like that is bonkers. I don't even know how that is. Does that not come off to you as like literally it's psychotic? Like, like, uh, could you imagine someone running your country and saying, Hey, we are going to help big pharma test whatever they want on our people, whether they like it or not. And then we're going to give them long-term data on the people. Like this has nothing to do with the, the, this treatment specifically that we're talking about here. I'm talking about any treatment. Okay. This could be for high blood pressure. Like what? This is crazy. Do all these people know that they're in an experiment and that they're going to be experimented on to create this huge industry for big pharma and genetics? By the way, why are elite people obsessed with genetics? They are obsessed with eugenics. They are obsessed with it. What is the deal there? It's weird. And they're also obsessed with children. What is up with that? What is up with elites and pedophilia and elites and genetics? Like eugenics, what is up with that shit? That is so wild. It is weird as shit. That must, they must have so much power, so much money, so much influence, so much all this stuff that the only way they can have fun in this little thing called life is to like change other people's genetics and to like hurt children with as pedophiles. Like there's no other game they could play. They own everything else. What is going on? How is this normal? In what world is this normal? This is crazy. That is bonkers. Okay. I had to get that off my chest because I thought that came off as absolute insanity. If I, if I'm wrong, please comment either at KOGZ on the video that I posted on this or comment on Rumble or even comment on the YouTube page and be like, yeah, you know, this came off as totally normal. Like you're out of your mind, Jonathan. You're a fucking lunatic, Jonathan. Please tell me that. I want to hear it because I feel like I'm losing my mind each and every day. And by the way, as we wrap out 2022, I feel like we've accomplished a lot together so far. It's only been months. We're not in, we're not years into this pod, but I feel like that we've exposed a lot of truths. I'm sure you've shared this with one person or another. And if you haven't shared it, I think you've, I hope you've learned something. I hope we've come together. I hope we've realized that we have the same common enemy and that whether you're political, I'm not political or apolitical, or you're a Democrat, Republican or independent, and I'm apolitical, that we could still be friends or that, you know, you believe in politics. I don't believe in politics and we could still get along. Right. Right. You can, you can look different than me and we get along. You could be black, green, brown, whatever. You could be Christian, Catholic, Jewish. I don't even care. I don't care. Why does anyone care? Who cares? Whatever you were born as, like physically or religious, you have no fucking control over that. Who cares? Like, who cares? What do I care what country you were born in? What do I care what color you are? What do I care what your gender, what your sex? I literally couldn't give a shit. I can give a shit. Are you nice? Are you cool to hang with? Or are you a fucking stupid ass who brings no value to the table? Whichever it is, I'm open and down to hang out with you. But like, I do not care the things that you were born with that you did not dictate. I do not care. I will never care. I do not care. I accept you and I love you. That's it. Point blank. By the way, next two things we got to talk about here. I'm going to tie this next one into um, what Elon tweeted today. Elon's just on fire. It's crazy. It's funny to watch. Uh, on his uh, platform, Twitter, he posted this uh, meme here. It's a picture of uh, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. It says, what if I told you the only way to escape The Matrix is to unlearn everything that you have been taught and rebuild your entire belief system based on critical thought and analysis, which is the whole thesis behind the pod. And the reason this is important is because yesterday, Andrew Tate, he's a big internet phenomenon, 
was arrested for child for like rape charges and like hitting women, all this stuff. And immediately there's a Twitter spaces and there's people talking right away about how he's a rapist and how he has girls illegally and he's guilty and all this other stuff. And then like hours later, he's, and I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm not saying he's guilty either, but you go right to the worst thing and then slander, slander. Oh my God. We knew it. We knew it all along. He's going to be locked up for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And they're going to add another 30. And then literally hours later, he tweets out the matrix has sent their agents. <laughs> he got out. So they, they, so it, I'm just saying hypothetically, if there were powerful people at the world economic forum and elsewhere that Andrew Tate, you know, is rallying up young men and teaching things that is against the agenda of the elites, they would want to destroy him like they did with Alex Jones. That's a very similar type person. Right. And, uh, so with, with Tate is it's not even a matter of if he's actually guilty. It's just discrediting him and making him look bad in the eye of the public, right? That's the purpose. And then once you do that and you put the news on repeat all over the place and, it, and people, what amazes me is people buy into this matrix and whatever propaganda there is at whatever certain time, whatever the current thing is, people are automatically like, yeah. And so now Andrew Tate, bad. Oh my God, rapist. Blah, blah, blah. He can be proven innocent down the road. But if it damages his name, Klaus and his friends, they win. They won. Now, I don't know if he's guilty or not, but these people who jumped on the Twitter space and immediately go, oh, we do it all along. I'm like, I tweeted back at the Syrian girl. Her name's Syrian girl on Twitter. I was like, you made some good points, but you might want to chill and wait for more information because you're throwing your whole reputation on the line. You're saying you knew it. He's guilty of all this stuff. He's going to be locked up forever, all this stuff. And then. What do you know? Jonathan Cogan, again, unbiased, unaffiliated with political parties, unaffiliated with people. I am sociopathic when it comes to decision making objectively, which ironically is a good thing in a weird way. I don't know how else to say that, but I'm able to make decisions and analyze public events with zero emotion. I didn't know that that was such a gift. I am unable to be brainwashed. That is just a gift, I guess. I am so good at identifying propaganda. I don't know what it is. I guess I just have an innate emotional intelligence that's all time, which I've always knew I had, but I had no idea that nobody else had it. So that's why I do this podcast because I share it with you. I want to, I want to give it, I want to give it away. I want to give it away. I want to help. So I, here's my opinion. He might be guilty. He might be everything this lady said she is, he is, but my bet is, is that it is the matrix attacking him and that he's probably not guilty. That's a guess. I'm not going to put my whole reputation on the line there. It just looks very fishy. In fact, if you watched him on the last Full Send podcast, he literally says, oh, I should play this. Do you think I could pull? I'll just say it. He's getting interviewed and he goes, you know, I'm really worried. He goes, because the first, oh, I got to, I got to, I got to play this. I got to play this. Um, so Andrew Tate predicts, oh, you know what I could do? I think I saved it. It was like an Instagram clip. And I somehow bookmarked it, whatever that means. And you got to just listen to this or watch it. This is fantastic. He predicts this. Okay. And I think he's right about what he says. So here we go. Here we go. Ready? He predicts it. Take a listen or watch. Here we go. Hold on. Give me five seconds. Hold on. I'm going to play for you. I'm not even going to say it. So this was Andrew Tate on the Full Send podcast. And then yesterday he was arrested for all these sex stuff. Hold on. All right, here we go. Ready? Here we go. The truth is this. So I, I knew it was coming. I absolutely not only knew it was coming because of how orchestrated it was. The only thing, and I'll state this at the beginning, the only reason I'm upset by being canceled is because I've expired one of my lives. Because first you get canceled, 
then they make up a reason to put you in jail. And if that lives, which is also why while I'm answering this question, I'm still being careful how I'm answering it. I'm not telling you. It's scary shit. It's scary because they've now they've given me the warning and I'm still running my mouth. Yeah. So that's scary. But here's how cancellation works. So I knew it was going to happen because there's very, very orchestrated attacks. So NGOs and charities and all these other non. Oh, the, so the, that was it. So the, that. So he said he it's a three step thing. First, you're canceled, like basically popping out of the matrix, but you're getting canceled from the matrix. He got canceled. All the accounts were deleted simultaneously just by chance. All the it's all the different social media companies just on the same day unaffiliated with one another took away his accounts and banks and stuff. He was debanked and he, Uber, Airbnb, wild stuff. Um, that didn't work. He gets a rumble deal. He's, he's on Twitter because Elon. Then he says they come to arrest you. That happens yesterday. So I, I don't know what's true or not true. I would hold back from jumping to conclusions that this guy's a rapist, and I would wait till you get more information. I would wait patiently. I would say, if someone says, what's your opinion on your Tate? I would say, I do not have an opinion. I learned from the John the Kogan show. We should wait for more information before making such rash decisions and putting our whole reputation on the line and spilling our hearts out of how we feel about someone, even though we have no data to back it up. And they'll say, oh, my God. Where do you get that podcast? And you can say jsk.transistor.fm. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. That's the last advertisement I got there. Um, I, we talked about, I'm going to get to one more thing real quick because it's important. We talked about the 15 minute cities on the last podcast or two podcasts ago. They're making 15 minute cities. Um, basically because of the pandemic so horrible, we need 15 minute cities. You know, your home's here. It's actually for the climate. In fact, I'll pull up the agenda on the World Economic Forum website. Because everything they put on the website becomes true. It's just weird how that happens. I guess it's just a coincidence. Um, World Economic Forum, the surprising stickiness of the 15-minute city. Uh, urbanism trends come and go, but the 15-minute city framing of walkable mixed-use urban development is a lot more than a fad. Uh, saying that the 15-minute concept, which implies having all necessary amenities within short walk, bike ride, or public transit from one's home, has demonstrated stickiness, not just as an idea, but as a powerful tool for action from Paris to Seoul, from Bogota to Houston. So everybody's craving this. In fact, it says, supposedly, uh, it says, it's since uh, the, the pandemic, uh, everybody wants to, you know, not travel anymore. And we got to save the, we got to hyper environmentalism. And we love the earth on this podcast. We love the entire solar system. We are obsessed with earth. We look at earth as our home and we love it. And we love to take care of it. At the same time, we don't like to be prisoners on our own land. Okay. It's a, it's a trade off. Okay. We still believe in, if Bill Gates can fly, I can fly. Okay. That's it. That's the point. So I'm going to play this minute 56. I'll read it for you if you're listening, if you're not watching. This is the video because every – so the WEF makes these like videos. They're like two-minute videos, and they're like background pictures, you know, like like postcard pictures with writing. And then it switches to another one with writing and tells like a little story. And it basically predicts the future of exactly what's going to happen. So you should listen very carefully because all of it comes true. Everything comes true, okay? A virus is going to break out. All of it comes true. Here we go. So it starts off by saying Paris is planning to become a 15-minute city. Here we go. Where everything you need is within a 15-minute radius on foot or bike. The aim is to cut car use, resulting in fewer CO2 emissions and cleaner air. Along with more pleasant urban life, or peasant urban life, Paris Mayor Annie Hidalgo wants every street to have a cycle lane by 2024 and proposes removing 60,000 on-street parking spots. 
replacing them with green space allotments and playgrounds instead. It sounds great. They're very good at pitching. Paris has already banned cars one Sunday a month and along the River Seine. And during lockdown, created 50 kilometer more cycle lanes. By the way, while you were like that, uh, in the 15-minute city, buildings are used for multiple purposes. Schools might host different activities at the weekend, for example. And the concept aims to nurture local pride, amor des lis, in urban dwellers. The pandemic has led many cities to rethink design as people keep to their local area. Peasant. Paris isn't the first to adopt a hyper-local model. Oh, no. Melbourne, oh, yeah, it's really tyrannical there, is testing out 20-minute neighborhoods. And Milan is running a 15-minute pilot in the Lazzarato area. Some critics say hyper-localism could inhibit the cluster effect often cited as key to the success of cities. Whereby specialists and their competitors work in close proximity, leading to faster innovation. The 15-minute concept was developed by Sabon Professor Carlos Moreno. Based on work by Jane Jacobs, who thought a neighborhood wasn't just about buildings, but social networks, too. Could your area be a 15-minute neighborhood? Kiss my ass. No. So, anyways. Sorry for my language. Just got to tell them what's up. Uh, so, let me tell you about this 15-minute city for five. You know, I'll, I'll just pull it up here. Um, yeah, should we just pull it up? We're going to pull it up. So, here's what it looks like. Let's let's talk about this real quick. Oh no! Well, so the, if you actually go to the Oxford City Council website, they actually have the uh, they have the whole PDF document. I just can't share it on my screen, so I'll just read it. But here, Oxford traffic filters. So let me tell you what's happening. Oxford is creating it first, and they and if you go to a fact check, there's a fact check that said no, there will be no barriers outside of the city to prevent you from taking your car out. That is true. There are no physical or it says physical barriers while you were locked down. The past couple of years on the streets, the lights on the streets, cameras were installed everywhere. Okay. There are more cameras watching you in the United States of America than there are in China. Okay. Think about that. And in London, London is the third most, uh, has the third most cameras of any city in the world. Just want you to know that if you're in London and oh my God, there's so much to say. And at the same time, the New York city mayor, mayor Adams Literally said, this is a political article, by the way. He said, big brother, uh, he goes, big brother, he goes, yes, big brother is protecting you. Mayor Adams of New York City said, and it's like the title of the political article. It said, big brother is protecting you. Like it's a good thing, like a thank you. Oh my God, I got to just pull this up because you don't even believe me. Big brother is what is 1984. That's what Orwell's book is on. Okay. And he said it like it's a good thing. Oh, here it is. Ready? This is crazy. This is unbelievable. And, and the elites commute with, uh, they communicate with each other in public through like Politico and, you know, other magazines like, like, um, the Atlantic, uh, you know, Washington Post. Those are all, you know, fancy people, uh, deep state stuff. Hold on a second. Uh, oh, big brothers. Look at this. This is real. Are you watching Politico? Big Brother is protecting you. Eric Adams pledges stronger policing, more technology in 2023. Big Brother is protecting you. Are you joking? They just put it in the open now. They don't care what you think. They don't care. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyways. So Oxford, so in Oxford, they're going to have 15-minute city, 
And no, there's no physical barriers, but there's AI barriers that can read your plates. And you can only take your car out like one time or a hundred times a year if you want outside of the 15 minute limits. In fact, I'll just play a clip, a short clip from GB News. This is a, this is a real news site. I'll play a little video here about how they say it's undemocratic, but here's a 15 minute city. Here are, I don't know. I guess these are just other news anchors. I don't know why they have more credibility than the Jonathan Cogan show. They just are on a different channel. Okay. Welcome to the new era of media. Take a listen to what they say. If you respect GBN live more, this is in the UK. Well, Oxford has something called a 15 minute city that they want to implement. Uh, we have already been told by Duncan Enright, who's got the title as a cabinet uh, as being the head of transport and development, but actually seems to not want to do too much development uh, and only want certain kinds of transport. What they want to do, uh, now bear in mind that Oxford already has lots of LTNs, low traffic neighbourhoods, which we've seen happen all across the country. Uh, there's been gridlock in places like Hackney. Harringay and in Brixton, and we'll come back to that. But they have a number of LTNs that have really suffocated local businesses and residents. Uh, and now they're saying what they want to have is bus gates. They call them all a trial. They say it's a trial. When they did, uh, but they have bus gates, which will mean you can't drive in many arteries and you're only allowed 100 passes a year. So if you have two cars, that means 50 each, to, to go to certain areas and you otherwise have to go much further around a whole ring road. So it's meaning that journeys that are important um, are get massively delayed. There's far more pollution. It's allegedly to stop some pollution, they say, but there's pollution often in very run-down areas. Many people in East Oxford who are much more, they're much poorer and much more run-down, they don't have facilities around them in 15 minutes to walk mm -hmm. to. So once again, ordinary people are being punished more. But the thing that's most problematic with this in Oxford, and we're seeing it happen in some other cities across the UK, is that when consultations go out, like they have done with the low-traffic neighbourhoods, mm. the majority of people are responding saying no. 5,600 respondents in Oxford responded. And if you look at, there was a freedom of information form, if you look at the responses on some, over 3,600 were negative on one of them, which constituted 93%. Mm. In spite of all of that, and also people going around saying that, mm, the, you know, there were representatives saying the majority of people believe in this, Businesses have challenged it, residents have challenged it, and they're still going ahead. And they're calling it all a trial, and, but the, the trial of the 15-minute city can't exist without the trial of the LTNs. And, and as Duncan and Mike said, it, it's happening anyway. Now, another thing to note about this, where this has come from is that the international C40s, which is mayors internationally, who Sadiq Khan is currently the chair of that, so they're from around the states and other countries and actually we've got a declaration to tackle the emergency climate crisis right. as though the issue in cities is not better hospitals or housing or infrastructure or transport or any of those things but this is crisis it's almost like a perpetual state of crisis rather than a sober addressing of how we deal with things and conditions that we need to change and he uh, in London, Sadiq Khan, who's the current mayor, who's now saying he's going to stand for a third term, uh, has said, well, even though 73% responded against ULES expansion, yeah. where you have taxi drivers. Even though we said that, well, it's not a ref referendum, utterly undemocratic, a whole patrician attitude. Um, we've seen that, you know, uh, the Muslim community in Oxford can't get to the mosque, elderly people and others. And what's going to be happening is, I know certainly at Together, we're going to choose members okay, in so Oxford. Okay, so I'm going to stop it there. So 
so here's the here's the craziest part. And I wasn't gonna get into this, but you you waited this long, so it's very special. Aman Jabi has over 25 years of experience working in Silicon Valley as an engineer, primarily on camera technologies. And he talks about how there's extremely alarming technologies being set up in what are called smart cities and cities all around us, how 5G is connected to the lights and the lights can be used as a weapon, all this stuff. It's crazy. And I wanted to play this interview for you with Maria Z, but I'm going to play um, this uh, little summary of it. And this is just crazy. Again, you got to look into this stuff yourself. You got to look into this stuff yourself. Okay, here we go. I'm going to play this clip and we'll end it here about what I'm trying to get into with these smart cities and why they're doing it. Because Netanyahu said the Israelites are experiment objects. We are experiment objects for the 15 minutes. We are all in an experiment. And if we don't wake up, this shit is all going to happen. And you're like, oh my God, I wish I did something. This is your chance. Join the freedom movement of life. Okay, where we are team peasant. I'm not, I am team peasant, not controlled opposition. Team peasant forever. And we're taking peasants to the top, baby. And I mean that. So here's a summary report. I like this. It's good. It's very intense. So I like listening to it. Here we go. All right, ready? We're going to play it. Aman Jabi has worked in Silicon Valley for 28 years. His background includes work on deep technologies that are involved in the new digital prison system being designed by big tech. In 2020, he moved to Montana and became a whistleblower, warning the public of the very real threat about to be unleashed upon us all, known by many as the Mark of the Beast system. Aman explains how accepting the digital ID is the basic premise behind it all. So by default, a digital identity implies that you are always in a digital prison. Since you have a digital identity and you're in a prison, you are by default a criminal. So we don't trust you. Just like the old system, this new one is also voluntary. And you are supposed to know that it's a digital prison that you are voluntarily signing up for. And the reason for this is because in this new system, having a digital ID will be proof that you are a criminal. Because having a digital ID means that you are in a digital prison. And because you accepted it, you must be a criminal. Because of this, there is a new protocol being introduced with this system known as Zero Trust. How is zero trust going to be used? Here's a lady, she wants to go and buy some beef. But let's say her carbon footprint or her beef footprint for the month has been exceeded. That door won't open. This digital prison is sneaking up on us all. There is no need for an implanted chip because everything is being done with facial recognition, which is already plugged into the entire system. America already has more cameras per capita than communist China, and our social credit score is already being logged. All we need at this point is a series of events that lead us all into having to make the choice of either accepting the new digital ID or saying no. Since the COVID lockdowns, new state-of-the-art LED lights have been replacing streetlights in cities throughout the West. Aman explains that this is all part of the plan. These lights will be connected to everything, including your phone and your car. And in new cars, 
That includes 16 different cameras with LiDAR and sonar. These lights are being outfitted with LED incapacitators, which is a light technology that was first announced 15 years ago, back when it caused enough brain damage to make a person sick. Another strange weapon in the final stages of development is able to mount an all-out barrage on the optic nerve. The LED incapacitator was developed under the auspices of the Department of Homeland Security for the purposes of creating what we call a non-lethal defense system. And uh, this technology consists of a bright set of LED technology, light-emitting diodes, uh, that is designed to create uh, sort of temporary blindness, meaning temporary ability to not be able to see the person who we're trying to protect. If aggressors caught in its bright pulsating glare don't feel their eyes or turn away quick enough, temporary blindness isn't the only effect they'll feel. The first time I saw the LED, I was in a darkened room, and within three or four seconds, I had reached forward and grabbed a hold of a lab bench because I was feeling a little bit uh, uh, dizzy or disoriented. The device's combination of different colors and random flashes can induce psychophysical effects, including vertigo and possible nausea. It's been nicknamed the puke light. It's been 15 years, and our Silicon Valley whistleblower believes that this technology is now capable of killing people. Ultimately, we can say no to this. But if there's a critical mass that doesn't sign on to the digital ID, then this agenda gets weakened substantially. But we will have to first unify and come together. Reporting for... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's very good. Very good. Now, I don't think that they're killing anyone. I'm not into that whole shtick. But the point is that the lights are going up. And there's definitely connection to Internet of Things and, you know, the 5G and all that stuff. Definitely real. Um, what it's going to be used for is I'm sure the intent is good. But the question is, can this stuff be, like, weaponized against people, right? Like the Patriot Act after 9-11. We all thought it was great. It was fantastic. But then the surveillance went against us, the people. It's just about who's in control of that thing. And there's always a great saying, like, whatever you create, you should be able, you should be okay putting your enemy in control of whatever you create, right? If you don't want to do that, then you shouldn't create whatever you're creating. It could be dangerous, right? So anyways, the point is there's a lot of shenanigans going on and people are just droning out here and we just need to wake up and then figure out what to do next because otherwise we're going to be in 50 minute cities and we're going to be we're going to turn on big brother who's protecting you mayor adams bill gates the whole shenanigans and i'm just not about that life let's keep and by the way i think plane tickets are outrageous right now you should go look them up crazy because they're putting gas through the energy's going what energy's being weaponized food is being weaponized everything's money is being weaponized the us dollar's being weaponized against foreign adversaries it's all going on in front of your face but as we wrap up the new year, all I want to say is God bless. I hope you had a good 2022. 2023 is going to be rocky. 2024 will probably be rocky. But then I think we turn the corner and start going back to the right direction. And by 2027, I think things will be very good. But until then, we got to stay free. All right, everybody. I'm out. God bless. Stay up. Subscribe to the John the Kogan Show. Share with a friend. Goodbye.